Oh, did y'all already play the theme? Oh, we're here. We're live. Okay. Hello. Uh, welcome to the next show. We are right here. This is uh, Anacortes Music Project Production. Um, the Anacortes High School Broadcast Club. I have with me Mr. Brett Lunsford, who we're going to talk with in a minute about his awesome book, Sounding for Harry Smith. Um, before we do that, we're going to do just a little bit of business. So, Riley, can you put up the Shock the Island? This Saturday, there is the Shock the Island. Um, oh, well, it's over here. Oh, there, it's there too. It's the Shock the Island fundraiser for the Anacortes High School Green Club. The Anacortes Music Project is supporting it. It's the seventh Saturday at the Depot, 8 p.m seven bands it's going to be super cool some of those bands were on our last show in this studio um so go to that riley can you change to the prom image a couple weeks after that on the 21st the anacortes music project is putting on our punk prom we're going to have two awesome rock bands enduro fanny alger both of them have been um, on the next show before, so you can go hear their show if you want to go over to anacorsmusicproject.org. Uh, there's going to be food and dancing. That's at 7 p.m. It's going to be a blast. Um, okay, thank you for the images. Uh, there's one more thing I want to tell you, and that's that next month in this studio, uh, I'm going to be in here with Mr. John Van Dusen. He has a new record coming out, and we're going to get to hear a bunch of that, hear what he's been doing for a while. It's going to be, it's going to be a blast. Um, before I go over here and bring Brett into the conversation, I want to just let you know this is a, this is a music show. So you're going to hear a lot of music tonight. We're really excited to bring you that music. All the tracks are from the Smithsonian's folk anthology that was compiled by Harry Smith. Harry Smith is the subject of the book that I held up earlier that Brett wrote. Um, he did a ton of things. He was a filmmaker and a painter. He ran around with Allen Ginsberg and Patti Smith, and he lived at the famous Chelsea Hotel, and he did a whole bunch of other things that you will find some of those things out, and you'll have to find some of them out on yourself. He is most famous for the folk anthology that he put together and compiled, and it won a Grammy Award. And he is also an ex-Anacortes High School student. Um, 
he really cut his teeth up here in the PNW and Anacortis specifically. So before we even talk at all, I want to play a song. We're going to play track 10. This is John the Revelator. It's by Blind Willie Johnson, and it is off the anthology. We'll be right back. Turn up your music. Johnson, that uh, that was an awesome one. I love that one very much. I'm going to mark him off my list here, and we're going to play a lot more music. I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Brett Lunsford. 
you probably know him. He's done a million things, and I'm going to name just a couple hundred thousand of them right now. Um, founding member of Beat Happening, founding member and primary songwriter of D Plus with Carl Blau and Phil Elvram, founder of What the Heck Fest, Know Your Own Records, longtime owner of the business, though these days Nick and Evie are have it in good hands. You can buy the book at the business, and I highly suggest you do it. It's an incredible read. It's very dense and got just so much information. You're going to love it. Um, uh, he uh, also is the director of the Anacortes Museum, and probably one of the things you're most proud of, I know you're a grandfather. Yes, yeah, so. yeah, all my family. <laughs> Um, I have a question or two, and then we're going to get more, and, you know, we'll start. So, first of all, you know, a whole lot of people know you, even though you've written multiple books, um, they know you for your music. And I'm curious if you can compare the, the creative process, the writing process of a book to, let's say, a song or maybe an album, however you choose to take that. Oh, well, um, that's a good question. I... I've always felt like uh, interested in books and music. I grew up with with records in the house from my older siblings and hand-me-down records from my grandparents, and that's how I, I learned to love music. And uh, I I think that loving books and reading um, books as a as a kid, and then um, as I got older. Uh, uh, part of me imagined the idea of of being uh, of writing a book. Mm -hmm. I, I started. I, I was a, a writer and editor for the Anacorda Seahawk. Oh, that's one of some of my earliest published work. Although, if you go further back, there was a, a household fanzine called the um, the uh, Anacortes Lunsford. I think we called it, <laughs> and uh, that my brother and I published with all sorts of neighborhood stories. Um, so I, my writing career began early okay. and just kind of changed. The, to your question about songwriting, um, you know, if writing of any kind can be intimidating if you let it because there's, uh, especially these days, so many um, Im imaginary voices in your head about uh, like the inner critic mm -hmm. and that's the harshest one usually. And so getting over... Um, just this uh, in youthful shyness about trying to do things because I've just watched people, um, artists, writers, musicians who were doing incredible work that I respected and my belief was, well, you know, they are demonstrating how to do something that I want to do I should be brave enough to follow their lead and try it myself, regardless of whether or not it's, um, it's you know, reaches any level beyond uh, my, my house or, or my, um, my record store. Yeah, that's a good answer. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it does take a lot of bravery. Uh, can you tell me how long the process took from inception, you're going to write, and then now you have a book? Oh, well, um, the, 
This book took a lot longer because um, I kept having, um, I started researching the book in uh, the early aughts of this century. Um, and I was, uh, did some initial interviews because I, I discovered, you may ask this question later, but I'm going to answer it now. Sounds good. Uh, <laughs> the, I heard about Harry Smith and was fascinated by the, this idea that somebody who was uh, a creative collaborator with, as you mentioned, Allen Ginsberg, Patti Smith, Andy Warhol, uh, and many others uh, recorded, produced the, the, the band The Fugs, who I had uh, in my collection. And, um, and I just thought, well, this is somebody I've never heard of, but he's from Anacortes, and I immediately went to my collection of, of uh, Anacortes High School yearbooks, because I had a, a used bookstore and would just kind of oh, right. pick yes. up local history, <laughs> and uh, cracked open the 1939 yearbook, and there was a picture of Harry Smith right in the middle of that class, and, and so I looked at the other classmates and, and the ones who were still around, called them up and, and did some interviews. And um, Jim Thompson, the excellent uh, media and photography teacher here at Anacortes High School, uh, was assisted with those interview recordings down at the depot and um, captured the, the, um, high, the, the perspectives of his schoolmates who were just as shocked of, of, as I was, if not more, that this a uh, person that at least one of them described as the nerd in high school uh, went off to, to such a, a creative career or yeah. anti-career. Right. Yeah, well, in, in the way we usually do here, I wasn't going to get to that quite yet, but I am because uh, you brought it up, and that's great. Let's go there. So he went to uh, school here. He was uh, known as a really good student, uh, but kind of also not. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, I, I, I have some notes here, you know, that at 15 he was, uh, the high school said he was mentally like a 19-year-old. Anything you're going to hear tonight I, I got from this book. I don't know which one I'm looking at here. I got from this book. I didn't know all this, but he was a scientific genius. Um, he was unfocused. He was anti-war when that was like not a thing? Yeah, I, um, Harry, uh, when he was in Anacortes, he lived um, with his parents in uh, down near what's now the Guimas Ferry Dock. Then it was just part of Cannery Row. It was the old Apex Cannery. Um, I, uh, he was somebody who was very passionate about his interests. And to the extent that uh, he, in, in one of the vacant buildings in this huge empty cannery that they were caretaking, um, he created a museum. And the museum had um, things that he would find on the pilings under the dock and store in formaldehyde, um, different kinds of artifacts from uh, the Coast Salish tribes that he acquired, um, and uh, other, uh, you know, bird feathers, and, and the, the, his classmates described that on, on his visits. And, and so 
he he had a an intense interest in discovery about what was happening here, not only in um, what he was te uh, learning in school from his teachers, but um, also what he did on his own studies and with his parents' help. Um, he I, I recently found, and this is uh, one of the uh, things that I've noticed in, in writing books, as soon as you're done, you find more things to put in it. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that, um, that I came across recently was that he did, he collaborated on presentations with his mother at least one occasion oh. to the uh, local women's club. He and his mother uh, presented on Coast Salish um, tribal history um, at that uh, event. So to see that he was getting that kind of support from, from his family in his areas of interest was, uh, I think, uh, something that was, by diving into the local history and trying to find out as much as I could, he, um, I know I'm, I, I don't want to go too far from your, your question because right. um, I'll just say that, that he wasn't, his grades didn't indicate that he was always a consistent student. I think mm -hmm. that he, he focused on the things he cared about and, and let um, slide the things that he didn't care about. Ultimately, he, um, he left school without graduating and then um, uh, skipped a year and, and moved to Bellingham with his family in, in 1942 and graduated from Bellingham High School with the class of 1943. That's right. Yeah, kids uh, stay in school, don't do that. But um, it's funny you mention also just I'm thinking about music and books and, um, you know, when you're making an album, at some point, you have to accept your finished product. Some people do it early, some people really labor, and but at some point you have to call it. And then it's often that, that when you go hear that artist later that it's uh, evolved in some way and you can't, and so there's another similarity here between these, um, these things. I have one more question, not one more, I have a, a question for you though, uh, and then I'd like to play some music. Your label, Know Your Own, on page 22, up there at the top, you, you reference that um, there's something about the natives, the native people's history, the, to know your relatives and where they're from, but it's said in their language here, which I, I, I can't um, pronounce. Was that in your head when you named Know Your Own? No, is there any, no that's not, a not at all. That is a quote that really resonated with me um, from, uh, 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 let me get the, the first name right, uh, uh, Bill James of the uh, Lummi, the late Bill James of the Lummi tribe. And it's uh, that statement in, in um, the language of the Lummi is, uh, translates to know your relatives and where they're from. And that's what, uh, those words are above the cultural gallery at the Burke Museum in Seattle, um, a place that, that Harry was involved in as a youth. And that, to, to speak to his interests, he was corresponding on um, the, uh, he was a student of the language of place. He, he had the, the interest in tribal culture to recognize that they had uh, not only um, uh, a 
regional language, but unique language and dialect from tribe to tribe. And he was um, corresponding with uh, uh, Melville Jacobs at the University of Washington about his interest in, in um, Straight Salish and Lachutzi and doing, uh, traveling to reservations and, and interviewing um, people there and, um, and you know, building, uh, doing recordings um, of uh, events. At All of this as a high schooler. Yes. Yeah, amazing. And so, so as, you know, when his extra credit, and, and not that he was getting <laughs> extra credit, but when his, his uh, um, extracurricular interests were, were, he had so much devotion to them, you can see where maybe he didn't get to his chemistry homework. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, okay, I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna play a couple songs here and then we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk a whole bunch more. We've got till nine o'clock, as you know. Um, I'd like to play track one and track 14. Track one is called Henry Lee and it's by Dick Justice. And track 14 is Single Girl, Married Girl by the Carter Family. So listen to these songs and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey. 
And that's the Carter family, a single girl, married girl, and that is uh, another track off the anthology. And that is, you know, we're going to be hearing so much music about it, and that's what he's so famous for. Can you talk about that? What, how did it even come to be? What are, what are we talking about? What won the Grammy? What's in the Smithsonian? Well, uh, Harry Smith was always interested in, in music. Um, I, he talked about uh, being in a record shop and hearing a, a blues song, and he just thought that that sounded strange and he wanted to hear more, and he started to hunt more. He, he uh, found uh, records, and these were old 78 records, like uh, these here, um, more obscure than the, the ones I'm showing you, but uh, you know, heavy, uh, somewhat fragile, they, they break easily. Um, and they were being gathered for salvage uh, uh, during World War II, and he. I mean that uh, is yeah. Sorry, I mean no. You. So so he um, started collecting with the same kind of um, uh, focus in the getting to the roots of, of what he thought was the essence of uh, folk music and blues music, and um, he was looking for examples that were. Um, some of which were sourced from the, the ch uh, child ballads, which he was uh, reading books on and getting books on folk music from the, the, the Anacortes Public Library. Um, so he, he uh, began his collecting here in Anacortes, uh, but really uh, it accelerated in, in Seattle and, and in San Francisco. And um, he uh, you know, there's people have have um, written uh, extensively on the anthology. Um, there have been concerts where people um, play songs from the anthology. Bob, a lot of the tracks in the early Bob Dylan repertoire were were uh, drawn from Harry Smith's collection. I, I kind of think of of the anthology as uh, you know this early mixtape, and <laughs> it was. Uh, folkways distributed to libraries around the country and so people who were interested in folk music it was released in 1950 would um, they would go to their library and say what is this thing and they would see that it had all of this um, these uh, interesting writing around it that was kind of weird and mm -hmm. and listen to the songs that they weren't hearing on the radio because the radio was somewhat homogenized at that point so they were hearing um, uh, music that sounded strange, but it was this American music from just a few decades before. And um, I'll say that, uh, you know, I, 78 records are something that I grew up with in my house. My, my grandfather was a, a band teacher here at Anacortes High School. He came I after- I wanted to get to that. That's he right. came after Harry Smith had already left, just a few years. Um, but. He, uh, we grew up with 78s around the house, not any that he had recorded, but um, I think I wanna, just as an example of the, the process of playing a 78, because I don't know if, if some of the audience have, have seen that, I brought in this, this uh, uh, old tabletop record player, which I bought in uh, 1999 uh, as kind of my Y2K plan for how I was gonna, um, to listen to music when uh, the whole uh, world crashed and you, uh, 
And so if it works, we'll just get it going here. And this is a song, this is, actual record was one of the family favorites. Not from, it's not from the anthology, but it's just uh, from the Lunsford family collection. Probably a, a, a little bit of sacrilege to be playing this pop song on a, uh, a program about Harry Smith's anthology, <laughs> but I'd, I'd say Harry was probably uh, not uh, opposed to sacrilege. I uh, did read something where uh, about the anthology and Harry Smith that at that time uh, race was a, a big divider of music and there were race records and such. and that um, I, I saw this quote in your book that Harry Smith threw race out the window. The criterion was excellent. I mean, excellence. And uh, also just another thing that's outside of the middle of the lane at that time. Yeah, well, that, that, uh, the music industry, like a lot of industries, had a, a, a racist structure that excluded uh, people of color and uh, in the case of blues music, black people specifically, and uh, Harry's approach was to find the best examples of folk songs regardless of race. And in, when he presented it in his anthology, he made a point of not identifying uh, the race of the performers. Mm. And so um, when he said it was, you know, to kind of, test the, the, that bias in, in the critics and people, he, he felt like it, it kind of um, broke a mold in, in that and other people have written about that as well, that, that there it was one of the early um, uh, erosions in that, uh, that kind of discrimination in the, in the industry. Were you able to find out in your um, research what might have informed his broad outlook on these things. He was attracted to the Native American culture and their music and kind of, I don't know if colorblind is quite the right word, but uh, certainly for his time and yet came from this small town um, that had, there's a, there's a whole portion in this book um, about the, the racist tax structure that was built up to um, take land from some of the people of color, which they certainly weren't referred to that way then, et cetera. Were you able to, was that something through his parents or, or I, were you able to figure anything out about that? Uh, I think that his, his, uh, his mother was an artist. His mother was a teacher. Um, and she taught school um, in Alaska at, at usually the village day schools mm -hmm. uh, where music and art were a part of uh, what she 
what she taught us. I think that she, given what little we do know about her, uh, she approached people with a, a high degree of respect cross-culturally. And um, I think that that, was, uh, that example is something that, um, that probably just was, made sense to Harry and, and something that he uh, continued and advanced. Well, that, that's great. So what, you brought some toys here. Do you want to uh, talk well, about Well, I just thought that there was, um, you know, one of the things Harry Smith did was collect things. And he famously collected uh, the records, which we're talking about in the anthology, but he also collected paper airplanes that he found in the street. And he collected uh, different kinds of uh, uh, quilts and uh, other kinds of textile art and uh, he was a photographer and he, he took pictures that way but I just thought that uh, he collected books um, and um, there's a number of books that have been written about Harry Smith mine's just one of many mm -hmm. um, but I just thought it would be interesting to bring in a couple of collections that uh, you know the there's a fine line between collecting and hoarding, and um, I like to think that uh, that part of what resonated with me about Harry was was that he was um, he was so uh, so alive in what his interests were, and mm -hmm. and that that was something that he kept uh, throughout his life. From from what I've read, I didn't know Harry Smith, but in talking to people who did, mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, one of the things that he his father and his grandparents um, operated canneries. In fact, that's what brought the Smith family from Chicago to initially Bellingham and then Orcas Island and then Anacortes was the the salmon canning industry, and um, I. Thought, but I happen to. If you're in Anacortes for long, you might see some of the salmon uh, labels that were produced here. This is a label, the Rock brand label from Pacific American Fisheries, and that was the uh, the cannery, uh, the canning company, uh, Pacific American Fisheries, that Harry Smith's grandfather, um, Robert Ambrose Smith, was a manager of in Bellingham. Um, and that uh, Harry's father, Robert James Smith, or RJ, also worked at in his youth. Here's a, another cannery from a, uh, the Alaska Packers uh, Association, and they had a cannery out where the um, Anacortes Ferry Dock is now, out at Ship Harbor. Um, and then this is a, a smaller label uh, the, from uh, the Apex Cannery, and this was a, a cannery that the Lee Wakefield operated uh, right down next to where the Guimas Ferry is okay. today uh, on, on Anacorta side. And uh, Harry's, Harry's uh, address was uh, the Apex Cannery from 1932 to 1942 when um, the family moved back to Bellingham. You know, you mentioned his, uh, his family, his, uh, the previous generations, and I wanted to touch on uh, John Corson Smith. Yeah, interesting character. Yeah, quite famous in his day as a Civil War general, and then he became the treasurer of uh, Illinois, and they were, um, you know, quite uh, in the you know elite social circles of mm -hmm. Chicago in the um, the nineteenth and century before they they moved this way. At least the the his children. And that that's his great grandfather. Yes. 
And uh, I thought this was really interesting. I don't know how much extra you might know, but I have a, a, a page in your book that we can reference if we want to. But the, the John Corson Smith, the great-grandfather, had a pictographic autobiography of Sitting Bull, which also ended up in the Smithsonian. It's kind of yeah. a coincidental yeah, yeah. It, well, and I think that gets to that um, seeing something that's uh, of value, an artifact, and uh, recognizing that it needs to be saved and preserved, and then you know put in the proper archive at a point where before it would go elsewhere. Bill Holm, um, uh, Harry's uh, friend, as a teenager, that shared his interest. He was from Seattle, but shared Harry's interest. They met at the Swinomish Reservation at some of the events that. Um, uh, University of Washington students were were attending along with these high school students and uh, Dr. Erna Gunther was uh, the director of the Burke Museum at the time. Um, she brought Bill home, they met here. Bill later worked, uh, had, a, had a career at UW and the Burke as a, a teacher and curator and um, but Bill said that uh, you know that in the book, in the, in the, um, the transcription of his speech on Harry Smith talks about how uh, John Corson Smith didn't think that uh, you know people in the family would be interested in it and Bill said well Harry would have you know, <laughs> it just maybe skipped a generation right um, I want to play a song and I as long as we're on family here uh, this is someone that I don't know if you knew that he was your cousin before or if you found out in the research um, but Bascom Lamar Lunsford, yeah. uh, track number 13. This is a track called I Wish I Was a Mole in the Ground. Before you start it, though, d when did you know about him before? Yeah, I, I um, okay. but yeah, it's, uh, he was uh, himself a historian and, uh, and folk music performer in Appalachia. Oh. And, uh, a song collector and a, an incredible uh, dancer. It, you know, you can look him up and and find all sorts of great uh, dance and music uh, uh, films that have been now made into videos that you can watch. Uh, but quite quite a, uh, a folk music uh, promoter in his own right. Oh wow, that's cool. All right, we're going to hear this track, and around eight o'clock we have like a five minute video of some Harry Smith. Um, film pieces and some other things so but let's hear some music okay I wish I was a mole in the ground yes I wish I was a mole in the ground if I was a mole in the ground I'd root that mountain down and I wish I was a mole in the ground Well, Tempe wants a nine-dollar show. Yes, Tempe wants a nine-dollar show. When I come over the hill with a forty-dollar bill, tis, baby, where you been so long? I've been in the bin so long 
Yes, I've been in the bend so long. I've been in the bend with the rough and rowdy men, baby, where you been so long? Oh, I don't like a railroad man. No, I don't like a railroad man. If I was a railroad man, they would kill you when he can. Drink him your blood like wine. Oh, I wish I was a lizard in the spring. Yes, I wish I was a lizard in the spring. Was a lizard in the spring, I'd hear my darling sing, and I wish I was a lizard in the spring. Oh, Tempe, let your hair roll down. Tempe, let your Let your hair roll down and your bangs curl around. Oh, happy, let your hair roll down. I wish I was a mole in the ground. Yes, I wish I was a mole in the ground. Was a mole in the ground, I'd root that mountain down, and I wish I was a mole in the ground. Pocket 
I'm a shiver and my Clarence Ashley, as you saw from those incredible images. I want to say shout out to JT Money who did all that for us. Uh, that was really cool. Um, so we were talking about uh, um, Perry Smith and his line. We, we touched on high school a little bit earlier and I kind of wanted to return to that since we're sitting in Anacortes High School right now. Um, one thing was I wanted you to talk about, it's not really directed right to him, but about this Coach Boots Wooten. Can you touch on him a, a bit? He's an interesting uh, uh, one. Yeah, well, Richard, Richard uh, Wooten was a student at Anacortes High School in the 20s. Um, he's of uh, Samish ancestry, um, and he, uh, after his career as a uh, sports star, in, he became, went to, went to school, became a teacher, and uh, came back and was a coach at Anacortes High School, uh, famously a su su uh, successful basketball coach, mm -hmm. and, um, but a PE teacher, as coaches often are. And uh, he, Harry Smith, uh, Jack Wells, who was a, a friend of, of Harry's in high school that I interviewed in 2006, great guy, he became an educator, um, among other things. And he uh, talked about being in, both of, he and Harry were in the bleachers during PE because <laughs> of various kinds of health issues. Um, and that that was a, uh, you know, they, the coach's focus was on the athletes who were going to be Six, you know, good on his sports teams, mm -hmm. and not so much on um, the the kid who uh, was not interested in sports at all. Right? Isn't it? Is it correct? Or I have down here in, in my research that the, uh, or in your research, <laughs> that he was a Hall of Fame coach. Actually, he got. I don't know. He for was that for Washington State, Washington State. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. in the Washington State Hall of Fame as a coach. He won state championships, not in Anacortes, but in um, mm -hmm. I think Walla Walla is where he, where he went to next. So that was that was just kind of a cool little piece. Uh, there are a couple things that popped up there that um, I want to touch on. One is that you mentioned uh, a Lunsford who was a music teacher here. Yeah, that was my grandfather, Floyd. Floyd E. Lunsford he was uh, came here from Liberal Kansas, where he was the teacher 
a band teacher at that school, and then um, in about 1945 came here to teach band. And okay, so he would not have overlapped with, no. No, he did not. Okay. And then you just mentioned uh, Wells, uh, what was the son's name? Uh, Jack, Jack Wells was the son of, um, of uh, Verna Wells Verna. was his mother, um, and she was a, uh, a musician and music teacher um, and uh, made herself, she made trips to um, Swinomish Reservation and, and notated some of the music that she was hearing there to um, uh, write songs or compose her own songs related to that. And she wrote some in, uh, I think there's some quotes in the book I can't call to mind right now, <laughs> but uh, about her, her observations of that. And, and so it just shows that um, that interest in Coast Salish culture that, that Harry took up was also uh, something that he was seeing in classmates who were of Samish heritage um, and uh, families that his own that would um, visit. His mother, as I mentioned, they, they spoke to the women's club on these subjects right. that he was of his interest. And he was corresponding with, with professors at the University of Washington um, to learn more and to do his own, learn how to do his own research. Were, were the tribes, um, were the native peoples welcoming of these out, outsiders, if I can put it that way, that were interested in coming into their? According to Bill Holm, who uh, was the t a teenager who worked with, with Harry, um, that at that time, and, and it, uh, uh, Customs perhaps have changed in relation to that, mm -hmm. but at that time, um, uh, Bill said that they were welcomed and that they operated within a, a sense of asking permission to do the recordings and being granted permission and 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 photos as well. So there, uh, that was the sense of it that Bill had. I can't speak to to how anyone else felt about it except that they did um, collaborate with him enough to when. Uh, he was good, when Harry was going to be the subject of Americans, an American magazine feature, a national magazine, um, that uh, his friends from Lummi uh, came to his house in, in Fairhaven in Bellingham to pose with him uh, as if they were record, as if Harry was recording them oh. doing a performance. So they must have cared enough about him to. Uh, to stage that photo shoot with him. Right. Amazing how when you give a little respect that, you know, it can come back around. I, I yeah, I, it's, it's uh, I would agree. Um, but, you know, Harry was on the yearbook staff at Bellingham High School. He was on, he was involved in drama, uh, maybe, you know, mainly doing lights in, um, here in Anacortes. Uh, and, and in the art club there in Bellingham as well. Um, so he was quite involved, uh, and that surprises some people who assume that he was an outsider all the time, but he, mm -hmm. was, he was active in um, high school clubs and, um, and had friends and, and was recognized as being a friend with, with you know, he and Jack Wells were um, going out and, and with, uh, Record players like this only of a recording nature, but the uh, kind of a size and bulk that would be battery operated, and they would actually record onto discs. 
uh, of the Oh, I the wanted songs. to ask you about yeah. that. I, yeah. If you were, I would uh, not begin to, to demonstrate the expertise to say exactly what the technology was. Right. But, um, but it was uh, cumbersome and it was somewhat uh, uh, cobbled together mm -hmm. and uh, that he was doing these recordings in the um, early early 40s at Lummi um, Reservation and at Swinomish Reservation. But these were recorded to something, a piece of wax or something yeah. like that as opposed to, I don't even know if there was tape at that point. I don't know the history of that. Yeah, I think I went, uh, it was pre-tape and I think wire recordings were the next in the evolution. Okay. Um, but Harry was also, for a short time, he was in a book club here at Anacortes High School and gave reports on books that were reported on in the newspaper. And he was also uh, initially in, on the debate team. And um, uh, I like the idea that the debate team was referred to as uh, disputants. <laughs> and um, that he wrote this, this, uh, this appeared in the Anacortes American, um, Harry Smith uh, Learning the Ways of Democratic Institutions um, was the title. Uh, and so I'm just gonna read what Harry Smith was thinking about uh, politics in, on the, um, the debate theme uh, was resolved that the powers of the federal government should be increased. Um, and so Harry wrote, the schoolhouse, like the flag, is a symbol of our form of government. It is more than a place to learn the three R's. It is the proving ground of democracy, where loyalty, understanding, tolerance, and responsibility are presented to the future citizen. In the following paragraphs, I shall describe the place that each one of these aims takes in our educational system. By loyalty, an unthinking obedience to a semi-mythical leader is not meant. Our country and its ideals are made very real things in the schools by roundtable discussions, student government, and classes in civics, history, and economics. These activities make the student have a better understanding of the value of not only political but spiritual loyalty to his country. Understanding his government's problems is one of the most important duties of the citizen. This understanding depends on keen reasoning and the ability to apply knowledge to the situation at hand. By learning to discuss and find a voter, he is called on to take in all of his classes, whether it be English or physics, and the student gains mental training that will be valuable when, as a voter, he is called to take part in governmental affairs. Tolerance of the other fellows' views is stressed in our schools by publication of a school paper and the opportunity to join a debate society. Editorials in the paper discuss a question from the editor's viewpoint, but do not force the reader to take the, the same view, while debates offer an orderly way of presenting opposing arguments, weighing them against each other and finding the best solution. By hearing and considering other ideas than your own, a tolerant attitude toward the religious and political political attitudes of others is developed. Responsibility for citizenship has been referred to as the keynote of our learning for the future. This means that the citizen should fight for his way of life, not only in times of national crisis, but should be responsible for his share in making his country a better place in which to live. Too many Americans have been so busy trying to raise their own position that they have sometimes left the government in the hands of incompetence. 
It is important that each individual develop his personality, but not at the price of any of the liberties that have come down to us. If every citizen will take his share of the responsibilities that confront us, our country will truly be one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Man, here, here. He's still, uh, those words are exactly <laughs> applicable now. Do we have the video? Is the video queued up and we can do that? Okay, we have spent uh, uh, the first half of the show um, talking quite a bit, I mean, as we always do, but we've been focusing on, on a lot of what is coming out of the book. And most of the book, not all of it, is based in the, in the Anacortes, Bellingham, Pacific Northwest time frame of his life, not as much in the, you know, the San Francisco and New York and, and the, uh, that portion that we've alluded to. So this video was created by friend of the show, um, uh, Dave, Dave Matthews. Thank you. Sorry, I drew a blank for a second. Sorry, Dave. And uh, you're going to love it. So here it is. Uh, you can roll it whenever you're ready to. Harry Smith. Harry Smith. Harry Smith. In 1952, a creative and eccentric painter, philosopher, anthropologist, and political activist. I'm also an expert on black magic. Produced three albums of folk music reissued from recordings made by major labels in the 1920s and 1930s. I'm going back The scholarship at work there. Harry Smith understood that there were certain traditions in American music anthology of American folk music on folkways became the resource for a generation of young performers. Hey, there's a magician I know. I was introduced to Harry Smith, whom I knew not as a great ethnomusicologist, but as a filmmaker. The movies that he created were these tremendous, fierce works of art. He took all these different areas of interest and combined them into a study of life. He lived at Chelsea Hotel because he was very close to Allen Ginsberg and very often you know, I could smell what they were smoking. Boy, am I in trouble. Yeah. I'm uh, glad to say that I, my dreams came true, uh, that I saw America change through music because of all that Harry Smith knew. It really intrigued me where this, where this guy was from. His mother was a caretaker for the Apex Cannery building. He and I were both uh, somewhat atypical junior high, high school age kids. Well, he was a rather fragile appearing person. He was quite slender and a little awkward. He was sort of a, uh, a loner. And I, I was very pleased to hear of his successes and I wouldn't have doubted that he had abilities. But it was a surprise to learn just how far he had gone. Thank you. How can a small town kid live to become famous everywhere underground? A shaman in residence for many profound cultural accomplishments while remaining unknown or forgotten in the places he grew up.
I didn't realize how far a little shit can go. He was small. He walked a humped older over and would swagger just a little bit, but he would never look you right in the eye. Do you want me to tell you what I thought? Well, I thought he was a nerd. I thought he had something wrong with him. And I felt that most of us thought that he was not a normal person. We were in the same class, and I was always friendly with Harry, but we didn't have too many interests together. It impressed me how well-read Harry was. He got into a subject that he had chosen. It could go on and on, I mean, real deep. And I was amazed that when I saw our class picture, that he was a part of it. And I do not remember him in high school. And he had created a museum in, the, in one of the offices of the old Apex cannery. And so he took me down to see it, and here he had birds' nests and feathers and agates and everything all neatly arranged around. But I was impressed that, that his, with his and the meticulousness of the collection. What effect, if any, did Anacortes have on the development of Harry Smith? This place has a way of articulating its windy beauty and deep currents through those who call it home. 19th century newcomers tried to turn the people of the salmon into sharecroppers for Uncle Sam. Yet the vibrant roots of Coast Salish cultures was just below the surface in Harry's youth. He knew a lot about it, uh, Native Americans. And I knew that he was interested in the group in Guimas. He and I drove over to uh, one of the potlatch uh, celebrations. We had rigged up a um, disc recorder. The one thing I remember is smoke getting in our eyes and so on because they, they had uh, fire raging and so on. The smoke would go up through the hole in the, uh, the potlatch building. I think they were trying to commune with uh, spirits, trying to contact with them. When you're that age, you don't know, quite understand why is someone different than somebody else. I cannot believe it. And looking at the pictures of him is this little old man, long hair and beard. I thought, how can he be that man? Well, now looking back, I think Harry uh, was something of a genius, and that's one of the reasons he seemed to be so different from the others. Things are not always simple. Sincerely yours, uh, Harry Smith. And I don't get this yet, but oh, this one right here. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Video is a whole nother game uh, for those of you who've listened to us over the years and it was only audio. We were chuckling about that before. Multimedia. And thank you to the Broadcast Club. Oh, you guys man. are incredible. I mean, making this happen. Um, Dave Matthews, thank you for that, uh, doing the work on that. That's a cool little example of, of kind of some of who Harry is. I mean, you got to see him there. He was an interesting looking fella. He's a slight build for sure. Um, was he sickly as a kid? Uh, he's yes, yes. He he missed a lot of school with various um, for various reasons. Um, I have a quote here that I'd like to read. That this is from Harry. 
And this is him talking about his early uh, experience in, in movies. He said, I went to cowboy movies when I was a child, but I looked at the stills of the movies. The, like it's, it's more interesting being alive and observing the perfect 3D widescreen effect produced by the central nervous system than in sitting in a theater watching some kind of myth. So that just gives you a, a, a even more of the way that this guy's head worked and, and his thoughtfulness as he went down. Because he, he, so, he, he did try his hand at lots of different kinds of art. Did he actually make music himself? Was he a musician? Uh, not in not any that I've heard. I've um, kind of heard reference to to some possibility, but no, not that I'm aware of. Okay, okay. Well, he definitely influenced uh, a lot of musicians, and you know, there is a question that you pose in the book, and I wonder with time if you've come to an answer to it, which is that. Why this little town exudes and, and loves and supports the arts in the way that it does? I mean, does is more current, but even then was um, had a had a, a a love, I guess, or or a support factor for the arts. You may find the thread uh, if you, if you have any thoughts on that, because it's. I will say one thing before I even give you the chance is that as someone who's only lived here for twenty years. Um, that was a very unexpected dimension of this little town, you know? This little island was not what I expected to have happen. Maybe, you know, you saw some of the museums. I'm, again, I'm talking <clears throat> present day, but, you know, I saw that there was visual art, but then to find the strong, strong support for, the, um, for musicians and uh, all the arts. Anyway, that was a long way around that somehow became about me and it was really about this town, so. <laughs> well, um, I'll just say that uh, that question was posed by uh, Phyllis Ennis, who was a, uh, Phyllis Luvera Ennis. She was a, a graduate of 1946, valedictorian of the class. Um, she helped me with books while she was still living um, as a proofreader and, and uh, you know, encourager. Mm -hmm. um, she, uh, she posed that question in a letter to the editor, um, to the Anacortes American in the, probably in the 1990s, and talked about um, in her youth how she could take art classes at the neighbor, this old hotel from an artist in the neighborhood and she could take music teacher music classes from any number of teachers and um, you know this influenced her to take an, a creative approach to, to life and when she was hired back as a as a teacher in the Anacortes school district she <laughs> that was kind of cool that was I don't know what that was but that just underlined a little art please well, go ahead oh no Sorry. this is this is like uh, <laughs> we should be thinking about what the meaning of that interruption was. I mean, it could be that this is meant to, to be heard right now. It's just coming yeah. from, from another dimension. <laughs> I mean, that would be something that, that, you know, who knows where, what all is happening here. That's right. But, if uh, Harry could do it, that might be him right now. <laughs> yeah, say, 
<laughs> cutting me off. What was I saying? I should just stop right there. Well, no, you. Uh, I, I mean, you can stop if you want, but you were talking about her letter to the editor. That oh, was so so she um, she was describing all of the things that this small blue collar town had in her youth to offer her in terms of art and culture that her cousins in Seattle she didn't didn't seem like they had access to and uh, that was just her perspective on it but she came back to Anacortes and uh, created the cultural enrichment program for the school district which was has continued on in various forms so oh, wow. uh, it's I think it's that kind of that um, baton pass where People uh, see somebody who's doing creative things. And I'll just give a shout out right now to Jim Thompson and say, the this people that he has uh, trained here in Anacortes High School, the, the passion that he gives them and the professionalism get, makes them so qualified to go out and, and follow their creative visions and to have the, the technical abilities that, to, to really see them come through. So. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that just uh, kind of there's that ripple effect, and yeah. so I think uh, I'll say that one of the people that that um, Phyllis was referencing was um, Louise Williams, who mm -hmm. was an art teacher, friend of the Smith family, who initially had a art studio in the loft of the, um, the cannery buildings that the Smiths lived in. Mm -hmm. And then she um, later, this was during the Great Depression years, she later moved into a, a, a old four-story brick hotel that was down there on 8th Street in, in Old Town. It's no longer there, but um, she had her art studio there. Harry took art classes uh, from her from, uh, for, for 10 years. Oh. And so he was getting two, three times a week taking uh, art lessons with a professional artist who was herself showing at the um, Seattle Art Museum. And you, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to think about what they might have been discussing. Yeah. But, um, but the, Harry's mother took art when she was in college, and I think that he was immersed in that. Harry's mother sang Irish folk songs, and, and that was something that influenced him. But, but I think as much as anything, they, he was encouraged to be himself. Um, his father uh, uh, famously, uh, you know, and, and Harry would tell stories and you would wonder, is this an exaggeration? Is it an outright lie? Um, but uh, oftentimes there was more than a grain of truth in, in the, what seemed like an outlandish uh, tale he was t uh, telling. And um, he talked about his, uh, his dad giving him a blacksmith shop when he was a, a kid at the cannery and, and telling him that he should uh, turn lead into gold as a project. And uh, <laughs> that was, but he was, um, he was interested in alchemy, but I think that, the, and, and magic, but I think that being a creative human is, and being involved in, in uh, creative communities is, is some of the highest form of, of magic and alchemy, and that was um, that was something he was steeped in in his family life. But it was um, not um, it was present elsewhere. Um, it was certainly present and deeply so. Um, the the uh, this since time immemorial creative uh, culture of the Coast Salish people here, um, and he tuned into that. 
uh, there was uh, um, kind of outsider artists, if you will, like uh, like uh, Henrietta Finley, who is was she a, the woman that you the, over in on Guimas? Yeah, she. Oh, she's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, she she was a friend of the Smith family. In fact, Harry's parents <clears throat> spent some of their last years living in her beach uh, cabins on on Guimas Island. Um, a controversial fit figure, certainly, <laughs> but um, she... You'll have to read the book to kind of understand some of that, but yeah. She was an artist, and, and, um, and I think that that kind of, um, that creative impulse and the do-it-yourself part of it were mm -hmm. a, a big part of who Harry was. And, and um, I'll say that, that uh, the, the book I wrote uh, was inspired by other books that people have written about Harry Smith and, and books that are still to be written about Harry Smith. There should be a, a new one coming out uh, by next year, a full life biography okay. by uh, John Sved. And he wrote the um, foreword to, um, to this book. Um, I'm great, grateful for that. And uh, he, he's written incredible bi biographies of Alan Lomax, of Sun Ra, and of Billie Holiday. And I, I thought that in tribute to to Billy and in reference to um, to John's book, I would just play a, a track of um, Billy Holiday's on this 78 player, if I might now. So. That's a hazard sometimes with old records. Sorry for that interruption. Harsh. May Harsh. I ask you a question? I don't know if you know a lot about how this thing works, but I noticed that before you wound it a bit, and this time you really just started it. So it, does it just get 
Is there a is something in there? Yeah, uh, yeah spring. What happens? There's a spring. I, I watched, uh, it wasn't working earlier today, and it, it had been broken. I'm like, man, it would be so cool to play some 78s on this program. So I looked inside and said, oh, well, it looks like that arm just slipped underneath. And so I, I did a little bit of, of work on it. I watched a, a video on it, which was way over my head. <laughs> but I know that if you, t if you open it up, you come to this, these coiled springs, which power okay. um, the turning. And uh, if you're not careful, it'll you know, spring out and hit you in the face. So right. be careful if you ever take one of these apart. More magic, more magic. <laughs> Uh, have, oh, go ahead. Go ahead if you no, have a thought. Well, I was just going to say that um, that the uh, another uh, contributor to the book was uh, Phil Elvram, who is an old friend who's uh, helped me with um, graphic design. He's a photographer and musician and artist, and um, has been involved in a lot of the projects that I've done. Used to to work in the dark room at the business when we were starting out but um, maybe he was this age huh like the yeah, broadcast yeah, club yeah for kids. sure yeah and um, but he helped design the book the the um, the, lay, the graphic design of the book was um, a collaboration with him and so thanks to Phil and uh, and then uh, Ronnie Singh who's the um, the director of the Harry Smith archives um, and as, as the, um, authored and edited various books on on Harry Smith where compiling interviews with him or, or uh, studies of his art. Um, and, and so I've, I've met a lot of people through my interest in Harry Smith over the years, um, both local and uh, people around the world. And, um, and that's been, I think, uh, one of the rewards, you know, mm -hmm. the, the getting to that place where you're, you're talking, you're, you're meeting people whose, whose work you're interested in. Um, and, and one of the things that, uh, you know, not, I've said I didn't meet Harry Smith. I just um, knew people who knew him right. and, 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 and recorded them while they were still living. And thank, thankfully, and I'll say this to anybody who is thinking about you want to know more about your grandparents or your parents or somebody in your neighborhood or somebody who you're interested in. Um, do what Todd's doing and, and uh, sit down with them and, and record them because their stories are gone when they are. And um, I look back at, at recordings that are in our family archives of my uh, grandfather, the band teacher, mm -hmm. um, playing the piano, or my, uh, my uh, mother's mother, who was singing folk songs from, from Croatia that she learned when she was a child in, in, uh, in um, the uh, Adriatic. Oh, Dalmatian man. area. And um, so if you're thinking about uh, family history or, or somebody that's important to you, you've got voice memos. You can mm -hmm. just sit down and get that down and, and it's going to be valuable. So that, you know, shout out to the people that sat down with me in talking about the book and, and um, their words. I mean, that was one of the goals of the book was to... Um, let uh, to to just kind of make my own mixtape of the voices around Harry Smith and in a print version and let them do the talking with their expertise and and so um, can uh, the audio of some of these interviews be heard at the museum? 
currently not. Not yet. But we are working toward um, having um, the audio archive, the oral histories, be as accessible as the, the films are becoming and the photos and the newspapers. Um, but uh, Scott Firo has also been uh, doing a book of compiling the, some of the books that Harry Smith uh, had in his collection recommended to him. And he shared a quote with me uh, that I thought was interesting that, um, that I credit to him. But he, he quoted, said that he would be um, visiting with Harry and a call might come in. And he heard Harry say, do this routine more than once where he would say to the person on the other end of the call, uh, have you been creative today? <laughs> I like that. As uh, maybe not a, a challenge and more than a taunt, but uh, and then after he would listen, and, and Scott didn't have the, uh, the uh, benefit of hearing what the other person was saying in response to Harry, but at, at the end of the, that um, description of the creative endeavors, Harry would say, uh-huh, but do you really think that it's enough? <laughs> <laughs> So tough, tough man. That's the uh, that spirit really feels to me like this. Uh, you know, I've, I describe him as this um, kind of do-it-yourself uncle of grunge in some sense. That that there's this uh, element of him encouraging, but also being ready to pop balloons <laughs> and uh, and to you know raise the bar. And so I think that that's a spirit that that uh, is. Um, resonant with me well on that sort of note let's hear track eight oh death where is thy sting does that come? <laughs> by the reverend j m gates so this is that track Welcome back. That was, I like that track. It's kind of, there, there are a couple different um, volumes of the anthology. There's the ballads, social music, uh, 
one called Songs, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cool. And then I don't really, there's a, there's a fourth um, volume, which I, I don't remember the name right now, but I thought that it was interesting the way they're cut up and they're really, you know, it wasn't done as we talked about, it wasn't done by race, but there is a, a similarity almost of, a, of genre or tone, if you will. Yeah, uh, I, I have to confess that I uh, didn't really know about the anthology, and I was a, I had a record store. <laughs> I collected records as a youth um, mm -hmm. and was interested in, in blues and old country, but for some reason I didn't um, uh, listen specifically to the anthology or know about Harry Smith until after the Smithsonian reissued it in the late 90s That's and amazing. on CD. And um, so I, um, you know, as I said, people uh, who are I'm thinking Elvis Costello, Lou Reed, um, artists who participated in, in live music projects that are available on DVD and you can watch them, but um, pr produced by the Harry Smith Archives that talk about, um, well, they're, they're performing these songs in the same kind of, we're listening to the original versions, but, mm -hmm. but the impact of that um, was something that um, you can see in the, uh, the, the stars, the musical stars who have that in their hearts and want to share their own tribute to what the anthology meant to them. That's right. I've heard it uh, referred to sometimes as the the Bible of you know of folk music or of American music. Uh, it really um, holds a special place, and it it seems to have. Uh, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, but it seems to have really. Uh, every generation to have found a, a new set of people that that find inspiration in it, though maybe not as much as Dylan's time and such, but it hasn't lost its legs, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, and uh, I think that uh, I'm just going to read a little bit from uh, uh, the book about the anthology, if I might, and some of it is a quote by Greil Marcus, who's a, a famous uh, music uh, historian and critic, and um, so Harry was composing and conducting symphonic subterranean systems. It was the secret text of a secret society, Marcus writes of Harry's folk bible, noting the, the anthology's insistence on an occult gothic America of terror and deliverance inside the official America of anxiety and success. Imagining songs holding townspeople-like roles of an old weird America, Marcus interprets a moral citizenship resulting from Harry's compilation. And this is real Marcus. No one was supposed to step out of their fellows. Let me start again. No one was supposed to step out from their fellows and stand alone and say what he or she had to say in the peculiar way he or she had to say it to thrill those who stand and listen with the notion that they too might have a voice to shame those who stand and listen because they lack the courage to do more than that. And so what kind of voices can be heard? And this is, this is the book that follows the Harry Smith who digs for the understanding way. 
He learns from, records, and amplifies the voices of others, an advocate for unique beauties. Among Harry's varied brilliances, it was his ability to listen and see and value and act in concert with the preservation of cultural treasures, those that surface forces had lost or tried to break and bury. In the mountain of scrap 78 RPM records, Harry heard the pattern of disparate compositions as a choir compiled to sing a new American folk into existence. That's, that's heavy. That's what you can uh, expect to get out of, <laughs> out of this book, which I highly recommend you get. It's also chock full of just lots and lots of images that are um, hard to find, are dated, really give you a feel for, especially if you're an Anacortesian, um, of what this town looked like, you know, what is that, 50, 70 years ago? Um, anyway, it's really the amount of work that you did, the research, which I know is a labor of love for you, you're a historian anyway and such, but it is, uh, it's intimidating. In fact, when, when that song was playing a moment ago, you were, you were talking to me a, a little bit about the responsibility you felt. Yeah. And I wonder if you could mention, if you could talk about that now. Yeah, well, Harry Smith inspired a lot of people and he's inspired um, some fierce devotion from people about the idea of who he was. And so I, when I was contemplating, oh, I'm going to do, a, a, I imagine it being a little book on Harry Smith when I was first conceiving of it. It would be oral history based with some photos and try and do some research on family history. And, um, and then it kind of grew, but part of it grew because I recognized in reading the other books on Harry Smith, like Think of the Self-Speaking or um, uh, American Magus and, and uh, Harry Smith, the avant-garde and the American vernacular, uh, that, that, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Darren Daniels did um, uh, Fragments of a Northwest Life. So, so all these different books, and I just thought, you know, I need to get this right. I need to, be, I need to, to uh, figure out what's going to happen because uh, I knew that there was a, a local history audience that ought to be interested mm -hmm. in Harry Smith, even if they didn't know who he was, and that there was a, a, a worldwide audience of Harry Smith um, fans and students who were going to be interested, but also uh, potentially, at least in, in my my fearful self, was like, well, man, they, I could get torn apart if I do this wrong. <laughs> Balloon and, and, popping. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so um, that was some of the, the psychological uh, process. I, I also, um, in the course of conceiving of the book, you know, kind of planting the seeds, I, I ended up doing like uh, working on four books between 2006 and when the, I published this. So it wasn't just one book I was working on. I kind of like figured I, I needed to learn how to make books and, and then get a deeper history if I was going to do justice to such a deep subject. And so um, various research methods were used, oral history, um, um, looking page by page through old yearbooks and newspapers for mm -hmm. clues and then following up on those. But the digital archives too were quite helpful because um, when newspapers are digitized, being able to do a keyword search, granted Harry Smith is not <laughs> uh, a unique enough name 
to really pop out in a lot of searches, but right. um, through through various triangulation methods of search, you can find things. And and I, the the quote I read you from uh, earlier about Harry Smith when he was uh, on the debate team talking mm -hmm. about um, what it meant to be a citizen, and I thought you know I didn't know that existed because. It was just released in a new batch of digitized Anacortes Americans. We didn't before the book. I, I had access to some digitized, but then they just put up the 1940 to 1965, and so I was after publication. Like, well, I'm still going to search for Harry Smith, mm -hmm. even if I'm frustrated by not being able to include it. Mm -hmm. And I found that story about he and his mom teaching together, which was like, wow, this is this just kind of um, reinforces what I already thought about her support of him and their collaboration. And um, there was another interesting story about um, her, a hobby show that was on display at the Nelson School. The Nelson School was one of the grade schools which was located down at the, where the bowling alley used to be. Okay. And um, so he wasn't, a, he wasn't a, an alumni of the Nelson School. He was a high school student, but he was mentioned as having a miniature house on display at the hobby show. And so, you know, just, he had hobbies and he had them throughout his life and he decided, I'm just gonna have hobbies as my life. But what he did um, was so, uh, this, this self-dot scholarly creative genius that had him hand painting films mm. as a way to, to make films or um, collaging and doing stop action with cuttings from old books and catalogs that he animated in, in these, um, really uh, uh, surreal way. Um, so, but the, the, the quote about being a citizen, I thought that that connected to somewhat to what um, Marcus was, was talking about and in, in uh, how the, the anthology conjured up that kind of sense of responsibility. Mm. And, and someone could read that because Harry kind of became, uh, you know, a little bit uh, maybe um, not the picture of responsibility in his um, later years. Um, and, and so it was almost like a double take was, is this really Harry Smith? And with such a common name, even during his lifetime, people thought it was either a made-up name or mm. there were more than one Harry Smith doing one doing film, one doing record collecting, one one uh, uh, collecting airplanes. But um, he, uh, I found that quote and about him talking about being a good student and and you know how to be a good American, and I thought well. Is that really Harry Smith? So I said, right. what if it was another Harry Smith? And I attributed that to Harry Smith, uh, Harry Everett Smith. Well, so I find uh, um, that there's another Harry E. Smith, but he was a few years older and was already living in, in Edison at the time that Harry was a student and had been mentioned with his classmates um, on the debate team. And then there was a separate Harry Smith. All, uh, and this is a, an interesting coincidence that means probably nothing to anybody but me, but like, <laughs> There were not only one Harry Smith in Anacortes, there were three Harry Smiths, and they all had the middle initial E. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> must have made the work very difficult to, to sift through. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah I'm... Now you've mentioned a couple times about his ability to mythologize a little bit or 
tells stories. I, I know I have one here. You probably have some. And if you if we wanted to kind of rattle a few off, it, it would it might be interesting. And I'm definitely going to play a little more music here in just a second. I want to hear. We have some Blind Lemon Jefferson. That's uh, uh, if you can get number 15 and number 16 sort of queued up, but we're not ready quite yet. But um, I have here that he said that he almost drowned in the Guimas Channel. Do you know if that's a real story about Harry or if that was sort of a, an overblown? I would say that that was probably likely because there's so many stories of childhood drownings or near drownings and rescues in the, the waters around Fidalgo Island. So be careful. <laughs> that's right. And then I... Not exactly the same, but just uh, his mom also had, you referenced some uh, near-death experience that she had. That <laughs> yeah, well, that was just a, you know, a weird coincidence. To, you know, you're searching for anything to do with Harry Smith, and I, I, I get excited when I find things in the newspaper. And, um, and here's a, like a story of this university professor visiting Harry Smith to look at his museum at this cannery office. She's traveling from the Burke, what became the Burke Museum in Seattle, to Anacortes to view this um, teenage student's um, collection, and it makes the local newspaper. Um, but another story was kind of this freaky one where Harry's mom has been sick for uh, a number of weeks and comes outside, and, and she's outside enjoying the sun after weeks inside, and somebody is pruning a tree or cutting down a tree right in their neighborhood and it falls on her and lacerates her head. I mean, so, this is, yeah, I don't feel good laughing at it, but it's so strange. Yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't uh, think that there's any particular significance. I just, you know, it's part of like, you're telling a story of a family history. And I, I mean, I, I think it's, um, one of the things that I discovered in the book that wasn't really clear, I think, in other histories I'd read, was how much his family were Northwesterners. I mean, they, both sides of his family arrived in, uh, in the San Juan Islands or in Bellingham in, in the 19th century, mm. at the, at the, in the last decade of that. Um, so certainly not, um, you know, as, you know, Pioneer times, or you know, and and certainly, um, they, the idea that that um, they were settlers was was uh, is not something I'm trying to convey, but just that they were Northwesterners. They they had been there. That that his parents, Harry's parents, were children when mm -hmm. their parents came to um, Northwestern Washington, and so they grew up in um, around canneries, around boats, doing the things that. Northwesterners and that era did. And, I, and that's, I wanted to write a book where people kind of understood what Harry might have been experiencing by immersing them in um, what was happening in, in the small towns that he was living in. And that might be, you know, talking about his family some or talking about the canning business that his parents were, his, his father's side of the family was involved in. Um, and uh, you know, it might go too deep. I mean, it, there's a sense, in, and I make this point in the book, that uh, maybe it's two books colliding, one on Anacortes history and one on this, um, this uh, biography of this, this um, artistic genius beat figure. Um, but by, by trying to get them to connect, 
I think it's uh, an interesting way to 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 get a sense of of that world and and kind of try to understand the creative communities um, that he was involved in and that he continued to be involved in. I think you you know really. Um you really did a good job of that because there's no joke, it's dense, you know. It has a lot of information and it does take it doesn't just take Harry's run. You you know, you'll you'll take that over into this person said this about that event and had this perspective on on the event that sort of preceded or fought. and so you really paint this broad picture, but it does you you can't come out of the end of that book without having a feel for what might have been influencing this very unique young man um, all the way up through what becomes the anthology. I'm gonna focus on that, on the music side of that, because this thing about him as a young boy going out to the tribes and on his own being interested in trying to record that the that happening um you know i mean that is not not what every kid was doing around that time or or today and to be welcomed in is also just a thing and then you talk in there about how he lost a lot of that so yeah. Let me, let me leave you with that. That's some sort of long-winded compliment to your job you did there. Well, thank you. Can we, play, um, can we play those two tracks, number 15 and number 16? This is Blind Lemon Jefferson. If you, he's, he's one of the, the artists out of the anthology that you maybe have heard um, his name a little bit more. These are Rabbit Foot Blues and Prison Cell Blues. So this is Blind Lemon Jefferson. I tried for a flower and me like a glass 
And so we uh, were talking a little bit earlier about uh, 
collecting versus maybe obsessive collecting and and such and um, you got to go deep. You got to go deep. So and it's not hoarding. That's the word I was looking for. It's not hoarding. So Anacortis <laughs> Music, Anacortis Music Project. Brett Lunsford's going to show you a, a couple things that are going to walk you down memory lane for a sec. And uh, we're getting close to the end here, so stick with us. Well, it's like you. Um, everybody has a favorite T-shirt, I think. I mean, a lot of people I know. And sometimes it has to do with it's a sports shirt or maybe it's a music shirt. And uh, over the years of uh, being involved in, in bands, and I'll say that um, it, that the idea of, of doing it yourself, just, just if you want to do something, just do it, mm -hmm. that Harry Smith conveyed was, before I even knew about Harry Smith, was something that was attractive to me and that I was uh, involved in uh, both locally in Anacortes, some of the uh, bands, the, the, the root of the group in Dural were involved in the um, uh, Anacortes punk rock scene back in the early 80s and playing shows at the depot. So um, I uh, collected cassette tapes, uh, records of the various bands, um, and then also, uh, oftentimes they'd be selling T-shirts of their of their group, either giving them away or, or selling them at shows. And so, I wear them. Uh, oftentimes, I'm, I'll have a shirt under my shirt that's like this one. This is a Mount Airy shirt. I, even though I don't know if you can actually uh, read Mount Airy in it, I've been told that it's a Mount Airy shirt. Oh boy! Phil gave it to me. But I was just going to take some time and show you some of my collection. I just can't throw away. I had a concept of a like some sort of exhibit called Punk Laundry that I would, uh, <laughs> you know, d they were too ripped up. Maybe they could become something else. But this is my brother and sister-in-law's band, The Crabs. This is kind of a homemade silkscreen shirt of The Crabs. Uh, so probably a vintage um, uh, 1989, 1990, I'm thinking. And uh, just, you know, they made a silkscreen themselves and, uh, and Printed some shirts and probably they got the shirts at the thrift store uh, and then mm -hmm. did it that way. Um, another band, great Canadian band from Vancouver, Mecha Normal, played several shows in Anacortes. Yeah, they Incredible played Incredible artists. Mm -hmm. Gene Smith has uh, 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 such great uh, art going now and on top of her, her musicianship oh. and, and Dave Lester. Um, uh, the guitarist for the group is a, a book, uh, an author and book publisher in, uh, of history and radical history subjects. So Mecca Normal shirt, check out their music for sure. For sure. Frequent, frequently play in Anacortes. Um, I, I was in a band with my friends Calvin and Heather called Beat Happening. This is one of the hand-painted homemade shirts we, um, we made. Uh, and sold. These were on the K record label. K's been very supportive in in distributing my book, by by the way. So thanks, Calvin, for that. And this is art. I think Heather probably made this shirt. She's quite an artist. Um, you know, when the Anacortes Music Project later this year has our uh, physical spot, so maybe it'll take till next year. But I could see a situation where, when you're ready to donate some of these things, we may have a way. To display them or to catalog them 
Yeah, something yeah. Of this sort. Uh, I think that uh, well, it's kind of it's kind of weird to be uh, having a t-shirt collection. But what are you gonna do? You, you can know. you throw them away? No. Could you could you really? We could put them in one of those poster things, you know. Clean your car windows with a crab shirt. I don't think so. No, this no, is no. A, a concert, uh, nine by ninety, that was at the um, Paramount Theater, and it has all of the. Uh, this was kind of. Um, before grunge became a worldwide thing, there's Alice in Chains <laughs> in alphabetical order. Alice in Chains, Beat Happening, The Defenders, Girls Trouble, High Performance, Love Battery, and oh. on down the line. But that was a, a good show. I bet um, there's a story behind that one you can yeah. tell. Um, somebody could. <laughs> I could. I could make up some stories, okay. and that would probably have been a better book if I just made up a bunch of lies <laughs> about Harry Smith, but I, I got stuck on accuracy for some reason. The Department of Safety, oh. uh, an incredible local venue um, the, in the old fire and police station on 12th Street near Commercial Avenue. Um, great concerts there over the years, and uh, missed that, but I think it's in the spirit of uh, Department of Safety and other local venues that um, AMP is looking to create a physical space. That's absolutely true. In fact, earlier you were talking about ripple effects of uh, DIY and ripple effects of just you're doing it and you know, you're showing people that you can do it. And this is a very, it's an apropos moment because someone inspired you, you inspired a generation. Carl was one of those, Phil was one of those. Carl then inspired the idea for what is now the Anacortes Music Project, right? Yes. And now we're passing it along to uh, another set of kids, like the ones who are gonna play on Saturday night, the Metanoia and all of those high school bands that are really coming and, and doing their thing also. Carl's new albums. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, Scream Time oh. and Love and Harmony, both incredible. I highly recommend uh, acquiring uh, the new Carl Blau. Uh, I do have a Harry Smith shirt. This is some of Harry Smith's art, a gift from the um, the Harry Smith archives from Ronnie Singh. Oh, that's cool. Where is that located? Are they in a in a place? Uh, no longer. No, oh, okay. a lot of his collection is either at the Getty Museum or, and some of it, um, some of his book collection is at the Bob Dylan Center that just is opening in Tulsa, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, Little Wings, of course, another great band uh, uh, passing through Anacortes often, not from here. Let's see what else. Um, Alora Veers, incre oh. incredible folk musician, played many shows at What the Heck Fest and the Department of Safety. Uh, this is just, a, she just, just the tip of the iceberg on, on uh, my shirt collection. And I'm just great to be able to, it feels good to be able to share it and give it kind of out of the closet, you know? Shake off the <laughs> This is a, a well-loved and well-worn shirt. And this happens to shirt. When it, this happens, I call the shirt a shroud. <laughs> when the, it starts to fade and get so thin that you can't wear it anymore. This is from um, What the Heck Fest. Uh, one of the ones from a few years ago, a, a concert that we had a, a kind of a, a series of shows over the course of a shipwreck day weekend, which is a tradition that you've continued, we I'm have. happy to say. We've picked it up. We, uh, the Anacorse Music Project has a big free show inspired specifically by the Causland, you know, shows that you put on and that then Phil um, um, kind of took over for those years. And so don't forget that shipwreck day on Saturday, we'll have a, a great one. I want to close us up with a 
uh, a quote from Harry Smith. He said, it's better to have people singing and get more people singing than to have radios as far as music is concerned. It's more important that some kind of pleasure can be derived from things that are around them. Amen, right? Good night, everybody. Thank you for coming to the next show. I want to thank the AHS Broadcast Club. I want to thank um, the, oh, you were dancing. I thought you were waving at me. <laughs> uh, JT Money. I want to thank Mr. Brett Lunsford. I want to thank the Anacortes Music Project. John uh, Van Dusen. Next uh, month, June 2nd, Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m., right here. And can you put up the image of the prom, please? On Saturday, you should go see those bands. And on the 21st, you should go to Enduro and Fanny Alger. Have a great time with us. Thank you very much for tuning in. Good night.